Book of Mormon Prophecy, a podcast series by Avraham Gileadi, Ph.D. 2. Who are the Gentiles spoken of? Why is it important to know Latter-day Saints are called the Gentiles in the Book of Mormon? How does that impact our role toward the House of Israel? This is called, Who are the Gentiles spoken of? That is, spoken of in the scriptures, because we want to get our definitions right, right? We've been used to thinking that the Gentiles, well, that's them non-Mormons. Well, that's not what the scriptures say. The scriptures are very much defining exactly what they mean. We'll go to the title page first of all, and we'll read a few other scriptures, because are we Gentiles or are we house of Israel? Well. As Latter-day Saints who've come through the Ephraimite lineages and have come through the Gentiles, we were never called House of Israel in the Book of Mormon. You'll soon find that out if you analyze it for yourself. We're called Gentiles, or the Gentiles. And the gospel is restored through the Gentiles to the House of Israel. That's how it happens. So we have a great involvement in this restoration of the House of Israel that hasn't even started yet. We've just laid the foundation thus far as you'll find out. All right, so here's from the title page. It says, written to the Lamanites who are remnant of the house of Israel. Uh-huh. And also to the Jew. The Jew is, of course, also the house of Israel. There are two houses of Israel, actually. The house of the ten northern tribes, who are also the house of Israel, and the three southern tribes, Judah, Benjamin, and Levi. And there were 13 tribes, because the tribe of Joseph split into two, Ephraim and Manasseh. But this is speaking to all the 12 tribes and the Gentiles, written to the Jew and the Gentile. What Gentiles? Well, just heathen, the heathen nations somewhere in, you know, in the jungles of wherever? No. It's written to a specific people called the Gentiles in the Book of Mormon. There are two kinds, the ones who inherit the Americas, the ancient pilgrim fathers and all who came after but also a specific category of Gentiles who receive the gospel, and that's us Latter-day Saints. Written by way of commandment and also by the spirit of prophecy and of revelation, because these Book of Mormon prophets, they saw our day. And guess what? They didn't have too many kind things to say about us. Unless we do get our acts together and, and do what the Scriptures say. Written and sealed up, hid up unto the Lord, that they might not be destroyed that is, that the house of Israel lineages might not be destroyed, to come forth by the gift and power of God unto the interpretation thereof, sealed by the hand of Moroni and hid up unto the Lord, to come forth in due time by way of the Gentile. By way of the Gentile. Us. And if you read the early writings of the Brethren of the Restoration, Joseph Smith and his companions, and those who came after, in the Journal of Discourses, for example, Wilford Woodruff, you see that it is Ephraim that's gathering. And by definition, the restoration of the gospel and priesthood through the prophet Joseph Smith was called the beginning or the commencement or the foundation of the great Amalvis work. It is not itself the great Amalvis work spoken of by Isaiah and the Book of Mormon. That is the restoration of the house of Israel, the Jews, the ten tribes, and Lehi's descendants, as you'll discover from the scriptures. All right, in Doctrine and Covenants 109, the temple dedicatory prayer, verse 60, Joseph Smith is saying, Now these words, O Lord, which we have spoken before thee concerning the revelations and commandments which thou hast given unto us 
who are identified with the Gentiles. Unto us who are identified with the Gentiles, by Book of Mormon definition, correct. Thank you, Brother Joseph, you got it right. You got everything right, in fact. It is us who deviate from what is in the Scriptures who don't get it right. We have these precepts of men, popular ideas that have no scriptural basis. <laughs> you constantly have to be fighting against them because they're so prevalent everywhere. And nobody cares to investigate whether they're true or false. And of course, if you live by precepts of men, how can the Holy Spirit testify to you that they're true? You cannot. You are disempowered from doing what you ought to be doing. Here, Hosea chapter 7, verse 8 also says, Ephraim has assimilated among the nations. The King James translates as difficulty. Ephraim has assimilated. Mitbolel means to, in Hebrew, means to assimilate. Among the nations or Gentiles, Ephraim is a cake unturned. He's only half baked because he's half Gentile and half Israelite. But for convenience sake, in the Book of Mormon, he's called Gentile. Once you assimilate even 10% of Jews who assimilate into the Gentile nation, every generation are called Gentiles after a while. But guess what? We're Ephraim among the Gentiles. So we have the birthright lineage. And that becomes very, very important and important and, and, and crucial in the end time scenario that Isaiah and the Book of Mormon talk about. And whenever the Book of Mormon talks about anything in the end time, guess what? They always start with quoting Isaiah. Isaiah is the basis of their end time scenarios that the Book of Mormon writers talk about. And they also do what Isaiah does. You know, it says about six times in the Book of Mormon, or more, that they wrote less than a hundredth part of what they could have written. So what was all the other stuff? What caused him to include so little and exclude so much else? And the answer is Isaiah's criteria. They used Isaiah's criteria for including a little of their story and excluding so much else. And what is that? Because the things they include in the Book of Mormon prefigure the end time. They're they prefigure or foreshadow events that occur in the end time. So take a look at Helaman, the book of Helaman. Isn't that very close to what's happening in our day and age? And as you read the Book of Mormon, book of Mormon and, and many chapters, you'll see that these things are repeating themselves or have repeated themselves or will repeat themselves, the very same kinds of things in the end time, the time in which we're living now. When Jacob the patriarch was giving his patriarchal blessings to his twelve sons, he gave a special blessing to Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and he laid his right hand on the younger, younger son, younger grandson Ephraim, and his left hand on Manasseh's head. And he, Joseph wanted to remove his hands and said, Not so, Father, that's, this is the eldest. Lay your right hand on him. And Basically, Jacob said to him, I know what I'm doing. Lay off. And he gave this blessing. He said, He, that is referring to Manasseh, also shall be a great people, also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. But truly his younger brother, that's Ephraim, shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become the fullness of the Gentiles. The fullness of the Gentiles. Ephraim's descendants are going to become the fullness of the Gentiles. According to the King James, the multitude of nations. But really, that's not what it says. Another way of translating it would be the consummation of the Gentiles. 
the final act of the Gentiles, where they get involved and interact with the house of Israel in the end time, in an end time scenario. And that expression, the fullness of the Gentiles, occurs four times in the scriptures. There in Genesis 48.19, in Romans 11, and twice in the Book of Mormon, 1 Nephi 15 and 3 Nephi. So let's remember that one because we're going to come back to it. And that says in the Doctrine and Covenants, chapter 19, verse 26 through 27, the Book of Mormon, which contains the truth and the word of God, which is my word, that's the Lord's word, to the Gentile. Uh-huh. So first of all, the Book of Mormon goes to the Gentile. Get that. That's us. That soon it may go to the Jew. That's not us. That's the Jews, of whom the Lamanites are remnant. So including them, the remnant of the Jews, they were Jews, even though they're of Joseph and the tribe of Joseph, Ephraim and Manasseh. There were many of the, other, of the ten tribes who migrated down to the southern kingdom of Judah when Jeroboam set up idols in the north. And the Levites and, the, and many of the righteous came down, basically assimilated into the Jewish, Jewish um, the house of Judah, and they became known as Jews. And that's no doubt what happened to Lehi's ancestors. That they may believe the gospel and not look forward and not look for a Messiah to come who has already come. So the Jews and others are going to believe the Book of Mormon and not look for another Messiah who is to come. There's only one Messiah, and that is Jesus Christ. And here's a scripture from 1 Nephi 13, verse 42. We see the same kind of thing again. First to the Gentiles, then to the Jews. Time cometh, says that he shall manifest himself into all nations, that is Christ, or Jehovah, both unto the Jews and also unto the Gentiles. After he has manifested himself unto the Jews and also unto the Gentiles, then shall he manifest himself unto the Gentiles and also unto the Jews. So get that. First, Jesus manifests himself to the Jews, and they reject him, and then what happens? The gospel goes to the Gentiles instead. But in the end time, the opposite happens. He manifests himself unto the Gentiles, and they mess it up, and then it returns back to the Jews. And he says, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Same thing. It tells you a whole lot, doesn't it, that in the end time, we Gentiles are not going to get our act together. Only very, very few individuals among us are going to get it together. And that's what they've seen. That's what the Lord has seen. That's what the Book of Mormon prophets have seen. That's what Isaiah has seen. When he's talking about, when Isaiah is talking about God's people in his day, who were doing the things that we're doing that were offending God, and we transpose that whole scenario of Isaiah onto the last days, onto the end time, our day, the seven or so years right before the coming of the Lord, that's the end time scenario. Then, who are God's people then? We are. It's us he's talking about. It's us who are offending the Lord. It's us who need to repent, get our act together. All right. So because all the, these ancient names then become code names for end time, nations and peoples, us included, Latter-day Saints included, God's covenant people. Here's a scripture from 1 Nephi 15, 13 and 14. It says, 
says, um, In the latter days when our seed shall have dwindled in unbelief, Nephi speaking, then shall the fullness of the gospel of Messiah come unto the Gentiles. Well, it did, didn't it? Through the prophet Joseph Smith. And from the Gentiles unto the remnant of our seed. So from us, that is, who've accepted it, to their descendants, the Lamanites of today, and the Jews, and the ten tribes, as we see in other scriptures. That that day shall the remnant of our seed know that they are of the house of Israel, which they may have forgotten, because of their apostasies, and that they are the covenant people of the Lord. And guess what? Who's going to convince them of that? Well, that's our job. We have to. We have to bear testimony to them. That is who they are. And help redeem them from their fallen state and restore them to their former covenantal status with God. And here's a scripture from 3 Nephi 16 that mentions the fullness of the Gentiles. Or Jesus mentions it. 3 Nephi 16, 4 through 5. These sayings which ye shall write shall be kept and shall be manifested unto the Gentiles, that is, the Book of Mormon, that through the fullness of the Gentiles, which is the seed of Ephraim, as we found out from Jacob's blessing on the head of Ephraim, that through the fullness of the Gentiles, that is, the seed of Ephraim, the remnant of their seed who shall be scattered forth upon the face of the earth because of their unbelief, that's the house of Israel, or the Lamanites of today, may be brought in, or may be brought to a knowledge of me, their Redeemer. And then will I gather them in from the four quarters of the earth, and then will I fulfill the covenant which the Father hath made unto all people of the house of Israel. So we have there a new exodus from the four directions, as Isaiah teaches, like the exodus out of Egypt, but this time from all four directions, led by, well, we'll find out who they're going to be led by in the next verse which is from Isaiah 49, 22, which is also quoted several times in the Book of Mormon, 1 Nephi 21, 22, and 23, and 2 Nephi 6, verses 6 through 7, and 2 Nephi 10, verse 9. These uh, Book of Mormon prophets, <laughs> they're very concerned about their end-time descendants. So would you be, right, if they'd wandered around the earth without a knowledge of who they are? Well, some of them might know, but most not. And then they were looking forward to someone to, to do that for them, and that is the birthright tribe of Ephraim. They need to do that, and, and they looked forward to that time, so they, they quote the scripture from Isaiah three or four or five times in the Book of Mormon. And this is what Isaiah says. Thus is my Lord Jehovah, I will lift up my hand to the Gentiles, to us, that is, raise my ensign to the peoples, so the ensign and the hand, there are keywords that are in parallel, and they're synonymous with one another. And they signify their code names for the Lord's end-time servant, which we'll talk more about as we get into the book of Isaiah and the book of Mormon. And they will bring your sons in their bosoms and carry your daughters on their shoulders. That is, the Gentiles will do this, will carry the sons and daughters of the house of Israel, the Jews, the ten tribes, and Lehi's descendants, the Lamanites of today, in their arms and on their shoulders. Kings shall be your foster fathers and queens your nursing mothers. So it's these kings and queens of the Gentiles who are doing this. That is, spiritual kings and queens, as we find out from all of these scriptures. They're not political kings and queens who couldn't care less about the house of Israel, I assure you. No, it's spiritual kings and queens, which we are, and which we'll be discussing from the scriptures that we're going to be 
talking about in these podcasts. And if you're a king and a queen, it's not just ordination or something like that. It's you actually have to fulfill the role of a king and queen. So you have to learn what that role is. And if you don't fulfill it, of course, you're just a king and a queen in name only. You're king and queen wannabe, which is not what we really want, is it? No, we need to fulfill the role, the birthright role of Ephraim, and be these kings and queens and restore the house of Israel. And the Book of Mormon is simply full of it. And we'll be discussing those things in future podcasts. So by way of summary, we're going to say that the Gentiles, by definition, are the assimilated Ephraimite lineages through whom the gospel is restored, and through whom the gospel goes to the house of Israel in the end time. The time frame is a worldwide destruction, as we see that, that restoration happens during a time of worldwide destruction. And moving forward, what is the role of Latter-day Saints toward the house of Israel? Well, it is that role of restoration. The next time we're going to discuss who does the Book of Mormon identify as the house of Israel? Um, and need to get a proper definition of who they are. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Please share this with others. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us today. Join us next time when we learn who are of the House of Israel. Why is it important to know whom the Book of Mormon identifies as the House of Israel? What role do Latter-day Saints have toward the House of Israel?